5, with great brilliancy in 1899, volume I page 635, but the November date passed in 1899, and the years have passed, and the wondrous scene of 1833 has not been repeated. Clerkey's History of Astronomy in the 19th Century says, We can no longer count upon the Leonids as the meteorites of 1833 were called, because they seem to fall from a point in the constellation of Leo. Their glory, for scenic purposes, is departed. Page 338. The Lord's signal to watch thus the wisest astronomical predictions made shortly before 1899 based upon the apparently recurrent regularity of the phenomenon, failed, but the predictions of the sure word of prophecy, set down on the sacred record 18 centuries before, were fulfilled to the letter, at the close of the days of the predicted tribulation of the church, the signs began to appear the sun was darkened, the moon withheld its light, and the stars of heaven fell, the series began at the time specified, the signs came in the order given in Christ's prophecy, the record of history bears witness that the prophecy was fulfilled. It may be that on a yet more awful and universal scale these phenomena will be seen again in that last shaking of the powers of heaven which is to attend the rolling back of the heavens as a scroll. The immediate prelude to Christ's glorious appearing. But Christ's prophecy, at this point, was not giving a description of events at the very end of the world, but signs by which it might be known when the end was drawing near, as the signs should be recognized. The Savior intended that those who loved his appearing should be quickened with hope, and inspired to hasten to the world with the gospel message preparing the way of the Lord. The Lord's word for his children was, When these things begin to come to pass, then look up, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Luke 21:28. Long ago these signs began to come to pass. Now may the Lord's believing children well look up and rejoice knowing that the day of eternal redemption is indeed nigh at hand. He will come for his own in the glad time of the harvest, in the grand millennial year, when the king shall take his scepter, and to judge the world appear, earth and sea shall yield their treasure, all shall stand before the throne, just awards will then be given, when the king shall claim his own. Oh the rapture of his people, long they've dwelt on earth's low sob, with their hearts ear turning homeward, rich in faith and love to God. They will share the life immortal. They will know as they are known. They will pass the pearly portal. When the king shall claim his own. Long they've twelled within the harvest. Sown the precious seed with tears. Soon they'll drop their heavy burdens in the glad millennial years. They will share the bliss of heaven. Nevermore to sigh or moan. Starry crowns will then be given. When the king shall claim his own. We shall greet the loved and loving. Who have left us lonely here. Every heartache will be banished when the Savior shall appear. Never grieved with sin or sorrow, never weary or alone, though we long for that glad morrow when the king shall claim his own. L.D. Santee. Illustration, Satan offers gold, and the world stampedes to its destruction. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. James 5:1. Footnotes, D. The display was most brilliant. Apparently, in Western Asia, the veteran missionary, Dr. H. H. Jeshup, of the Presbyterian Missionary College, of Beirut, describes the scene in his, 53 years in Syria, on the morning of the 14th November, at 3 o'clock, I was roused from a deep sleep by the voice of one of the young men calling, the stars are all coming down, the meteors poured down like a rain of fire, many of them were large and varicolored, and left behind them a long train of fire, one immense green meteor came down over Lebanon, seeming as large as the moon, and exploded with a large noise, 
leaving a green pillar of light in its train. It was vain to attempt to count them, and the display continued until dawn, when their light was obscured by the pin of day. The Mohammedans gave the call to prayer from the minarets, and the common people were in terror. Volume I pages 316, 317. The meaning of present day conditions, there shall be signs, upon the earth, from the specific signs in the heavens, which were to herald the coming of the latter days and awaken the church to look for its coming Lord. Our Savior's prophecy passed on to designate certain general conditions in the world which were to continue until the great day of God comes, there shall be signs in the Sunday and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Luke 21 25 27. Among the developments here foretold, and which contribute to the distress of nations, with perplexity, we may list the following, illustration, the arming of the nations, prepare war, beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Joel 3, 9, 10, 1. Political unrest the arming of the nations following on closely with the signs in the heavens. There appears also the awakening to national aspirations and rivalries in Europe, out of which has grown the arming of the nations. The beginning of the modern race of armaments may be dated from those stirring and eventful years of 1830 to 1848. We have seen the resources of the soil and the inventive genius of man devoted to preparations for war on a scale never before thought of. The prophet Joel foretold these conditions in the last days, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, the nations, are thee, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am strong, let the heathen be wakened, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision or, cutting off, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision, Joel 3, 9 14, illustration, ready for the conflict, for the day of the Lord is near, Joel 3, 14, photo from Underwood and Underwood. N.Y. Another prophecy forewarns of the peace and safety cry that is to be heard as the end draws near. We are told that many people in the last days will be saying that swords are to be beaten into plowshares, and that the nations will cease from war Isaiah. 2 colon 3. 4. But the actual conditions are repeatedly described in prophecy as warlike and perilous. Thus the revelar saw the closing days, the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. Ref. 11, 18. Illustration, a faithful and wise servant, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Matt. 24, 42. What we see then among the nations proclaims the approaching end. 2. Signs in the social world and New Testament prophecy of the latter days says, In the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, full, and holy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, to Tim. 3, 1, 4. The perilous times have come. 1. As never before. The world is pleasure mad. And restrained passion for pleasure. 
said M. Comdy, editor of the French Relevement Social, writing just before the European War, is bringing a terrible train of evils into modern society. Along with it he put, the hunt for money without regard for means, adding, this is the theme which manufacturers, businessmen, men in the public administration, continually harp on with ever the same conviction and ever the same wealth of proof. The note is ever the same, and the conclusion identical, new sums produce. We are lost, quoted in record of Christian work, July, 1914. Many agencies for social and temperance reform are rendering the greatest human service, but for lost humanity the only hope is Christ, the Divine Savior, with an urgency born of the last call. His gospel is sounding to a world on the verge of eternity, yet with divine love longing to save, the world sweeps on, less and less mindful of eternal interests. Christ's prophecy foretold it as it is, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matt. 24, 37-39. Who can look out upon mankind today without the conviction that this scripture is being fulfilled? The drift is strong toward the world and away from God, but we are bidden to watch and pray lest the coming day find us unprepared. 3. Signs in the industrial world Industrial conditions today add their contribution to the distress of nations, with perplexity. Through the word of prophecy the Lord long ago foretold these conditions, with a warning to the careless rich, and a warning to the laborer and the poor, not to be drawn into contention over the things of this world, for the judge is at the door. The prophecy, it will be seen, refers specifically to a latter-day conditions. Go to now. Ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and been wanton, ye have nourished your hearts, as in a day of slaughter, ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Illustration, the rich young man, sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Matt. 19, 21. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. James 5, 1 9. There is no need to argue that the issues with which the prophecy deals are pressing upon the world with ever-increasing perplexity. We quote but two statements. By men not engaged in agitation but calmly and thoughtfully setting down the signs of the times. The late Lord of Bury Sir John Lubbock wrote a few years ago in the Review of Internationalism, the religion of Europe is not Christianity, but the worship of the God of War. Unless something is done, the condition of the poor in Europe will grow worse and worse. It is no use shutting our eyes. Revolution may not come soon, not probably in our time, but come it will, and as sure as fate there will be an explosion such as the world has never seen of the rapid growth of discontent and its propaganda, 
Mr. Frederick Townsend Martin, of New York, wrote, 50 years ago there was scarcely a voice of protest, indeed, there was hardly anything to protest against. 25 years ago the protest was clear and distinct, and we understood it. 10 years ago the protest found expression in a dozen weekly publications, but today the protest is circulated not by hundreds or thousands of printed copies of books, pamphlets, magazines, and newspapers, but actually by the million. This propaganda of protest has its daily papers that are distinctive and published for that purpose, and that purpose only. It has its magazines and tens of thousands of weekly papers. Only a fool sneers at such a volume of publicity as that. The warnings that hundreds of us are uttering may be ignored. The squandering may go on. The vulgar bacchanalia may be prolonged. The poor may have to arrive under the iron heel of the iron lord. The dance of death may go on until society's e-string snaps. And then the Vesuvius of the underworld will belch forth its lava of death and destruction. Hearst's Magazine. September. 1913. Thus hearts grow faint, for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. But while the increasing, distress of nations, with perplexity, abounds, the Lord sends the steadying, assuring message that soon Christ will come to end the reign of sin and strife. He would have his children keep the gospel light glowing, and wait patiently for him. For, the great missionary movement the Savior's prophecy of the signs of his second coming places the work of world evangelization as the culminating sign. This in itself is a joyful token of the approaching end, a bright signal of hope in a suffering world. He said, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Matt. 24, 14. Before the end, the light of the gospel was to shine into every dark corner of the earth. True to the sure word of prophecy, when the latter days began, the time of the end, There sprang up the great movement of modern missions which has been one of the leading characteristics of the last century. Here are a few facts showing the missionary developments of a single century. In 1800 the foreign missionary societies numbered seven. In 1900 they numbered over 500. In 1800 the income of seven societies amounted to about 50.000. In 1900 the income was over area code 15000000. In 1800 the number of native communicants enrolled in Protestant mission churches was 7.000. In 1900 there were 1.500.000 native communicants. In 1800 the adherents of Protestant churches in heathen lands were estimated at 15.000. In 1900 they numbered 3.500.000. In 1800 only one-fifth of the human family had the Bible in languages they could read. In 1900 nine-tenths of the people of the world had the word of God in languages and dialects known to them. Since 1900 the missionary movement has remarkably increased in extent and activity. It is estimated that now there are about 22.000 foreign missionaries in the fields, with many thousands of trained native evangelists and helpers. The prophecy is fulfilling before our eyes. It is not the conversion of the world that Christ's words foretold but the evangelization of the world, and when all the world has heard the gospel of the kingdom, then shall the end come. Another prophecy that of Ref. 14, 614 shows that the closing phase of this worldwide missionary movement is to be the proclamation of the special gospel message of preparation for the coming of the Lord, calling all men to worship God and keep his commandments, and warning them against following the traditions of men that make void the word of God. With the coming of this generation there has come just such a message, in the rise and progress of the Advent movement, 
the burden of the message being expressed in the very language of the prophecy, fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. Ref. 14, 7. And the movement is spreading rapidly, to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people. Thus in vision the prophet on Patmos heard the message given, and when its warning cry had reached all nations, he saw Christ coming in the clouds of heaven to reap the harvest of the earth. Even at the doors, of the beginning of the special signs of the last days, Christ said, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Luke 21, 28. But of the time when these signs should all be seen fulfilled or in process of fulfillment, the Savior said, Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves. Ye know that summer is nigh, so likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away. Matt. 24, 30-35. In this generation we see these things, all about us the signs had appeared. We know, then, by the word that shall not pass away, that the generation has at last appeared that is to see the Savior coming in power and great glory, of that day and hour knoweth no man, but we may know, that it is near, even at the doors, the day for which the saints of God had hoped through all the ages. Illustration the royal palace of Babylon, the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Dan. 237 The historic prophecy of Daniel 7 for great universal empires part I so important is it that we understand the events leading on to the end, that repeatedly the sure word of prophecy outlines the course of this world's history, and sets up waymarks along the highway to the everlasting kingdom. In the light of prophecy we see the hand of God guiding and overrolling through all history shaping events for the carrying out of his purpose to end the reign of sin and to bring in the reign of eternal righteousness. His prophetic word foretells events of history, that we may know that he is the living God over all, and that we may understand that the divine purpose will surely be fulfilled. Above the wicked world there is a God in heaven, waiting only the appointed time for the accomplishment of his purposes. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, I have spoken it, I also will bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it, my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion, Isaiah, 46 913, in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, recorded in the second chapter of Daniel, the Lord revealed in brief but graphic outline the course of history from the days of Babylon to the end of the world, the four great universal monarchies, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome were represented by the various parts of the metallic image. That prophecy described particularly the division of the Roman Empire into the kingdoms of Western Europe. In the days of these kings, declared the word of the Lord, the God of heaven was to set up his kingdom, bringing an end to all earthly powers. In the seventh chapter we are taken over the same course of history. In Daniel's vision of the four beasts, here also chief attention is devoted to the fourth great kingdom, and especially to its divided state, for the events taking place at this time are of the deepest eternal interest to all men. In this vision Daniel saw four universal empires represented by great beasts. One after another the symbolic beasts arose, did their work, and gave place to the next scenes in the history. The angel clearly explained to Daniel the meaning of the vision, these great beasts, which are four, 
are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom, and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever, of necessity, then, it is a repetition of the story of the four universal monarchies dealt with in the second chapter, and ending with the setting up of the everlasting kingdom, let us place the view given the prophet in vision alongside the record of history, first, however, a word as to the manner in which the great beasts appeared to the prophet, I saw in my vision by night, and, behold, the four winds of the heavens drove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another, again and again, in the figurative language of scripture, winds are used as the symbol for wars, and the sea, or waters, for nations or peoples, seizure, 25 minutes and 31 seconds 33, ref, 1715, the prophet saw the clashing of the nations in war, and out of these conflicts arose the kingdoms described in the prophecy. Babylon note the prophetic picture of the prophecy and the corresponding representation in history. Prophecy. The first was like a lion, and had eagle's wings, I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. History. As the lion is king of beasts, it was a fitting symbol of Babylon. The glory of kingdoms. Isaiah 1319. The eagle's wings suggest rapidity of movement and far-reaching conquest. The prophet Habakkuk said of it, Their horsemen shall come from far, they shall fly as the eagle. This was the characteristic of Babylon under the earlier kings, but especially under Nebuchadnezzar. Brocious, the ancient Chaldean historian, wrote of him, This Babylonian king conquered Egypt, and Syria, and Phoenicia, and Arabia and exceeded in his exploits all that had reigned before him in Babylon. See Flavius Josephus, against Opion. Book 1, Part 19. But now, at the time of Daniel's vision, degeneracy had come, the empire was tottering, the lion heart was gone, the eagle's wings were plucked, and within three years from the time the vision was given, Babylon was overthrown. Medo-Persia as the dominion passed from Babylon to the next great power. The prophet says, Prophecy. Behold another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. History. The Medes and Persians overthrew Babylon. Medo-Persia was a dual kingdom, lifting itself up on one side, first the Median branch the stronger, then the Persian, under Cyrus and his successors, rising higher, this two-sided characteristic. Noted as a distinguishing mark in the prophecy, was emphasized by the ancient writers also. Aeschylus, the Greek poet, who lived in the time of Persia, wrote, Asia's brave host, Amid first led, the virtues of his son fixed firm the empire. Cyrus III, my fortune graced, adorned the throne, Perso, the word spoken in the vision, arise, devour much flesh, describes the history from the time when the Persian side rose uppermost. Rawlinson says, Cyrus proceeded with scarcely a pause on a long career of conquest. An alliance against Persia was formed by Lydia, Egypt, and Babylon Herodotus 1 77, and as these three great provinces were subdued, they may well be represented by the three ribs in the mouth of the Medo-Persian bear. Grecia yet another kingdom was to follow, and strikingly the symbol pictures the characteristics of the Greek conquest. Prophecy, after this I beheld, and lo another, like a leopard which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. History. The third kingdom was Grecia, under Alexander the Great, 
the Greeks swept into Asia with the quickness of the leopard's spring, and the four wings on the leopard must represent astonishing fleetness. Plutarch speaks of the incredible swiftness of Alexander's conquests. Appian wrote, the empire of Alexander was splendid in its magnitude, in its armies, in the success and rapidity of its conquests, and it wanted little of being boundless and inexampled, yet in its shortness of duration it was like a brilliant flash of lightning, although broken into several satrapies, even the parts were splendid. History of Rome. Preface. Par. 10. Thus the ancient Roman writer pictured the career of Grecia just as represented by the prophetic symbol the fleetness, the great dominion given it, the division of the empire into satrapies, as suggested by the four heads of the leopard, out of the conflicts following Alexander's death, there came the fourfold headship of the empire, Rawlinson says, a quadripartite division of Alexander's domain was recognized, see, sixth monarchy, chap, three, the real situation is best represented, as Dr. Albert Barnes says, by one animal with four heads, just as the prophetic symbol described it centuries before. Thus the course of empire followed the outline of the sure word of prophecy, from age to age. Armies were ranged in battle strut array, they thought their glory withered in its blood, they perished with them ceased their tyrant sway, new wars, new heroes came their story passed away. There was to be no abiding kingdom till the time came for God's glorious kingdom to be set up. Illustration the fourth beast, after this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, Dan, 7 colon 7, Rome as the prophet watched the moving panorama of history, foretold in symbols, he said, prophecy, after this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, it devoured and break in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns, I considered the horns, and, behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and, behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things, history, as the iron of the image of Nebuchadnezzar's dream fitly represented the iron monarchy of Rome, so here the dreadful beast, with its iron teeth, can be none other than Rome, which followed Grecia in world dominion, it was the most powerful, the most dominating, of all the beasts in the prophetic series, a Roman Catholic writer, Cardinal Manning, compresses into a paragraph the correspondence of history to the likeness of the prophecy, illustration, Battle of Zama, B.C. 202 by which Rome broke the power of Carthage, its rival, and, began the conquest of the world, the legions of Rome occupied the circumference of the world, the military roads which sprang from Rome traversed all the earth, the whole world was, as it were, held in peace and in tranquility by the universal presence of this mighty heathen empire, it was exceedingly terrible, according to the prophecies of Daniel, it was as it were of iron, beating down and subduing the nations, the temporal power of the Pope, London, 1862, page 122. Thus far every symbol of the prophet's vision finds its exact and clear counterpart in history. A writer living in the 3rd century, in the days of imperial Rome, rejoiced to see how exactly the prophecy was being fulfilled. Hippolytus counted a saint by the Catholic Church wrote, Rejoice! Blessed Daniel! Thou hast not been in error. All these things have come to pass. After this again thou hast told us of the beast. Dreadful and terrible. It has iron teeth and claws of brass it devoured and break in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, already the iron rules, 
Already it subdues and breaks all in pieces, already it brings all the unwilling into subjection, already we see these things ourselves. Now we glorify God, being instructed by thee. Treatise on Christ and Antichrist. Seconds 33. Now the prophetic outline comes to the time of the division of the Roman Empire, introducing events of deepest personal interest to us today. Part I. The Fourth Kingdom and the Little Horn. It was the fourth great monarchy, Imperial Rome, and the events to follow it, that engaged the anxious inquiry of the prophet. He says, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. The prophet wanted to know the truth about it, and the angel told him the truth. First, the angel said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. The fourth kingdom, as we have seen, was Rome. As Cardinal Manning said of the empire, it was exceeding terrible. According to the prophecies of Daniel, it was as it were of iron, breaking down and subduing the nations. Of the ten horns that arose out of this fourth great empire, the angel said, The ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. We look to the history of the Roman Empire, and what do we see? Just the picture of the prophecy. We see the original Roman Empire of the West divided into lesser kingdoms. We see the barbarian peoples of the North sweeping down upon the empire, breaking it up and establishing within its boundaries the various kingdoms that are to this day represented by the kingdoms of Western Europe. And as we watch the history at this point, we surely see another little horn, another land of power, rising among the horns representing the kingdoms of divided Rome a kingdom, yet a kingdom diverse from the others. The work of this power riveted the attention of the prophet, and it is of the greatest importance that we also should watch closely to catch the lesson of the divine crow.